Hello, everyone. This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to today's podcast. Episode 20. This has been really fun sharing stories with you. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy telling the stories. Today, I thought I would tell you a story about when I first became a fly fishing guide. I had been fishing my whole life and fly fishing for a lot of it, even though when I was younger, I didn't understand the whole concept of fly fishing, and I often fished with flies on what is commonly called a bounce rig today on a spinning rod. After spending two years in Brazil on a mission for my church, I came home as a sophomore at the University of Utah. I just happened to walk into a fly shop in Park City and struck up a conversation with one of the managers. That man's name was Goose. We talked about fishing. We talked about fly fishing. He asked if I tied my own flies, and I told him I did. As we discussed all the local areas, the different rivers and streams that I would fish, I offered my assistance and said I know most of the farmers, and I would be happy to help if they needed anybody to help guide. At the time, I wasn't aware of how big their guide service was. I also didn't know that they had seven miles of private river on a ranch that was over 60,000 acres. Or that they had another ranch leased two hours away that had a series of four ponds, some with Donaldson steelhead and some with some gigantic rainbow trout. I would learn those things later. But on this day, Goose smiled, told me I looked a little bit young to be a fishing guide, but that he and a couple of the other guides were going to be going fishing in a day or two, and that I could tag along, and if I could hold my own, that maybe they'd work me into the rotation. As it turns out, it was pretty early spring. The runoff really hadn't started, but it was still cold and the fish were very lethargic. I met up with the guys. It was a pretty eclectic group. We had guys named Goose, Squid, Gaby, Wiss, and then there was Jason. Now on this day, they took me to a spot that I had never been before. There was a relatively new reservoir at the time called Jordan L. And they wanted to go fish where the Provo River flowed into the Jordan L Reservoir. And I had never fished in that part. I fished the Provo quite a bit before the reservoir was built, and I was always a little disappointed when they built the reservoir because it covered up one of the sections of the Provo that had a pretty prolific stonefly hatch, and we were pretty concerned that it wasn't going to recover. Today, the middle Provo probably gets more pressure than any other water in the state of Utah. Guides and fishermen galore but it fishes really, really well. It's a good piece of water. So there I am, rigging up my rod, and being polite, I asked Jason what he recommends for this piece of water. At the time, I didn't realize how much these guys would tease and poke fun, but Jason walked over and handed me two flies, and he said, this is the best combination on the water, and walked away. When I looked down, he had given me a San Juan worm and a glow bug, affectionately referred to as ham and eggs. At that point, I knew they were just yanking my chain, but in an effort to show that I was undaunted, I tied it up on an inline rig with a couple of sinkers up above and a big poly yarn strike indicator. I like to use the big poly yarn ones because I could roll them around in my hand and kind of turn them into a ball and put a bunch of fly floating on them. They weren't the easiest thing in the world to cast, but they were pretty sensitive to subtle strikes of the trout. Well, we all kind of split up and started fishing, but we were fishing with inside of each other, and Goose and Squid were keeping a pretty close eye on me, making sure that I knew what I was doing. 
It was still super cold, and I just happened to find this little seam where the river flowed into the reservoir that had one of those foamy scum lines that you could just tell would hold a trout. I snuck up to the edge of the stream on my knees, and I made a few drifts, hanging up on the bottom. Made some adjustments to my depth, and pretty soon, down goes the indicator. That first fish was on the glow bug, the egg imitation. And for all intents and purposes, it was a stalker rainbow trout. A few casts later, I catch another, and then another, and then another. And by the time we finished up and headed back to the truck, I had landed seven fish out of that seam. Jason had caught one, and I don't believe there were many other fish landed that day. As we were breaking down the rods, Goose looked over at me, said, Well, if you can teach as well as you fish, then I think we can work with you. I had no idea what a change in my life it would be to start guiding for Goose. That was 23 years ago. A lot's changed since then. But one thing still stands true. All people stand equal before God and fish. It still took a little while before I was able to have my first guide trip. I was so nervous. It was a father-son. And I took him to one of my favorite spots on the Weber River. And we fished and fished and caught a bunch. And it was a great day. And we got back to the truck, and the question I had been dreading the entire time was asked, So, how long have you been guiding? I had already prepared my answer for that one. I said, Well, I've been fishing my entire life, and it's always fun for me to teach others how to do it. The man replied with, Well, it looks like you have a knack for it. Nothing could have been better feedback for me on that day. I often tell people not to worry about what other people say, but on a guide trip, it's a different experience. Everyone tells you that you are so lucky to be a fly fishing guide, that you have the best job in the world, but they only see it from their perspective. It's hard to see it from the guide's perspective. So let me tell you just a little bit about what it's like to be a fly fishing guide in northern Utah. Most people, when they think about going on a guided fly fishing trip, they think of drift boats and big water. Well, there's only one really good river in Utah that you can float in a drift boat, and that's the Green River out of Dutch John. Most of the fishing that we did out of the shop I worked for was local. Provo River, the Weber River, and then lots of other small streams and lakes in the surrounding Uinta Mountain Range. Pretty much every single trip we did was a walk and wade trip. So we would get our clients waded up first thing in the morning, get them their fishing licenses, pick out flies for the day, make sure we'd have a lunch packed, load up in vehicles, and off we'd go. Now, when you meet your guide at the shop, regardless of the time, the guide's been up for many hours before that getting everything prepared so that the lunch was good, so that the flies were ready, rods were rigged. Everything was ready to go to give you a great day. And that's one of the hard things about being a fly fishing guide. If you were to guide... 365 days in a one-year period, every single one of those clients on every single one of those days expects to have a great day. I don't care how good you are. You can't have 365 good days in a row. There's going to be a day where the fish gods are angry or just need to prove a point. There are times where, regardless of how much instruction or patience you have, the person just doesn't understand the fly cast. There are people that really didn't want to fly fish, 
but the only option was golfing or fly fishing or horseback riding, and they didn't want to do the other two, so they just signed up for fly fishing. And we see that a lot in the corporate excursions, that it's just something to do. And then there's those times where you get the client that is just absolutely enthralled by everything that occurs. Catching a fish is secondary. They enjoy where they are, what they're learning, what they're doing. And those, I think, are my absolute most preferred clients. They're the easiest to teach, and they truly enjoy the nature. One of the difficulties a guide has when they first pick up their clients is being able to read the client. You need to figure out what it is they expect out of the day, and everyone is different. If you have a group or two or three people, I really don't like guiding three people. You just don't get a lot of one-on-one time. I prefer a single or a double to a triple. Singles can be hard, especially if you don't really see eye-to-eye if it's your first trip together. That's a lot of time that you have to spend with just one person. Two people is fantastic because you can bounce back and forth between the two. Three people, you just don't get a lot of one-on-one time. And if the people don't pick it up very quickly, you end up going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just untying knots, and you never really get to teach. So those of you that are going to book a trip, try and do it on a two-to-one ratio. Even if it's a little bit cheaper to add that third person, it's worth that little bit of extra money to be on a two-to-one ratio. I often like to ask how many times people have fly fished, how often they fly cast, when the last time was that they were out on the water with a fly rod, and then I usually like to ask if they're just after something specific. Is there something that they wanted to learn that day? Are you trying to catch a lot of fish? Are you trying to catch a big fish? Are you just trying to catch a fish? There's always that one person who has to throw in the, I want to catch a lot of big fish. Well, don't we all? It's one of those progressions I think a lot of fly fishermen make. In the beginning, you're just excited to be there. Then you want to catch a fish. After a while, one fish isn't enough. You want to catch a lot of fish. Not too long after that, you start to realize you really would like to catch a really big fish. But that progression all comes back around if you do it long enough to getting back to enjoying your time on the water and just being glad that you're fly fishing. Once you have a good idea of what the expectation of your clients are, you head off to the water and you do your very best to provide the experience that they have paid for. Sometimes it works out great. Sometimes it doesn't. Some people have a lot more money than others and they could afford to go on a guide trip every day of their life. Others have saved for a long time just for this one experience. I've always tried to look at it from the standpoint that every client has saved for this one day and I try and give them the best day that I possibly can. Some days you go through a lot more flies than others. There are some spots that I know are a difficult backcast. But if I have someone who's a pretty good stick, who can cast pretty well, I'll put into those more difficult situations. Sometimes they feel bad because they're breaking off my flies or they get entangled or they hang up my flies in a tree. There's one tree in particular that I call the Christmas tree. It is decorated with so many of my flies and it's in one of those spots that you can't really get up there and get them down. I don't know what it is about pine trees refusing to give flies back, but they are selfish trees. It is an absolute joy for me to get somebody out on the water, to have them learn how to fly cast, and to experience that first fish coming up and sipping a dry, or that first explosion on a big cicada or grasshopper. A lot of the time we end up having to use nymphs, depending on the weather and the fish, 
and that's another fun thing to learn how to do. Whether you're using a strike indicator, or euro nymphing, or upstream nymphing, or fishing a dry dropper, every one of those little situations teaches you something else about the fish and how they feed. There's just something about putting feathers and fur on a hook and convincing a fish that it's something they want to put in their mouth. I absolutely love teaching people how to fly fish. I wish every day was a perfect day. I wish every day that the trout were on a dry fly binge. But not every day is the best day. But every guide I know will do their best to make it the best day that they possibly can. I have thoroughly enjoyed being a fly fishing guide. I wish it was something that was more stable as an income so that I could do it full-time year-round. I guess I'd have to live in a state where there's not six months of snow, too. I'm not willing to make that compromise. So for now, I'll work hard, fish hard, and be on the water as often as I can. Thanks for listening.